Welcome to this podcast from Neurogastroenterology and Motility. It publishes original research and topical reviews on basic and clinical aspects of gastrointestinal sensation and motility, as well as brain-gut interaction. So welcome everyone to this month's podcast from Neurogastroenterology and Motility. My name is Adam Farmer and I'm a gastroenterologist at the Wingate Institute in London. Uh, this month it's my great pleasure to welcome uh, my friend Professor Fernando Asparos. Fernando is the Chief of the Department of Digestive Diseases at the University Hospital Val Debron in the Autonomous University of Barcelona in Spain. So Fernando, many thanks for joining us on the podcast this month and uh, congratulations to you and your co-authors on your paper entitled Colonic Gas Homeostasis mechanisms of adaptation following host G904 galacto oligosaccharide use in humans. So Fernando, can I ask you, what are the basics of uh, clonic gas homeostasis? Well, first of all, many thanks. Um, it's a pleasure to, to you and it's a um, privilege of having been selected. Um, uh, the, the residue, most of the, of the food that we ingest is uh, digested and absorbed into the small bowel, and not only uh, some residues of this food passes into the colon, uh, where it is fermented by colonic bacteria. If you want, we could even um, redefine um, the, the role of the GI system, saying that the upper part of the, of the gut, that means the stomach and the small bowel, are really focused on digestion and nutrition, whereas the, large, the last part of the, of the gut, the colon, uh, the main uh, target is to host the microbiota, providing an, an adequate environment and hosting this um, extra organ we have. And uh, so the residues of the, of the meal that have not been used into the the really digestive tract in the small bowel pass into the colon, and there they serve as as they feed the microbiota. And the microbiota, depending on the microbiota, ferment, metabolize these products. And depending on the type of microbiota, uh, the fermentative pathways may release gas. Could you provide a definition of what prebiotics are? Well, prebiotic definition has changed over the time and, and depending on the, on the body that has defined it. But basically, it is a substance that is not absorbed into the small bowel that passes into the colon, that, has, that is fermented by microbiota, and that produces beneficial effects for the host. So can you provide some background to some of your previous studies uh, using galacto-oligosaccharide host G904? Yeah, there were some studies indicating that prebiotics might uh, be beneficial in patients with um, IBS type of symptoms. However, we know that these patients usually tolerate badly a, a, a diet with, with high in residues or with fiber. So um, we hypothesized that uh, these uh, patients might initially, uh, that the prebiotic might initially produce some fermentation, some gas in these patients, but that after a time, the, the microbiota would adapt to this new uh, challenge and, the, and, and it will develop new fermentation pathways producing less gas. And this is what we did with the measure the gas production uh, in, in a group of healthy subjects 
at the early phase, before at an early phase of uh, prebiotic administration, and uh, after a few weeks, and uh, initially the gas production increased, probably due to the fermentation of the prebiotic, but after a few weeks, uh, gas production returned back to pre-administration levels, indicating that a change in the microbiota took place. So what were the objectives of, the, of this study now? Well, having seen that, we, wonder, we wanted to, um, uh, to determine what is the mechanism that produces this adaptation. Uh, um, um, the gas produced in the colon uh, partly is absorbed into the, into the blood and exhaled by breath, part is um, fermented by, by, by other pools of gas-consuming microbiota and reducing the volume of gas, and the rest is evacuated by anus. So a reduction in net gas production could be uh, related to either a a less gas production in terms of a microbiota that uh, with fermentation pathways that release um, low volumes of gas or due to an overgrowth of uh, gas-consuming microorganisms that would eat away part of the gas produced. So we wanted to test this, um, uh, these two possibilities and then we did a study uh, we repeated the same design providing the prebiotic to a group of healthy subjects uh, before uh, um, doing some measurements of gas production in a group of healthy subjects before at the beginning and after the two weeks of, of prebiotic administration. And we, we repeated the results, so there was an initial increase and then a reduction to an adaptation. But in this study, we repeated the paired studies in each subject um, at each time point Measuring the volume of gas production after the test meal with and without the gases washout. So, without gases washout, we reproduce the same results as in the previous study. And with washing out the gas of the gut, that means doing the study with a high flow of uh, gases that would take away all the gases produced into the intestine before. Um, that these gases could be absorbed into the blood or consumed by other microorganisms. So that would mean the, the, the uh, 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 complete gas production. Then we saw that uh, the, initially the gas production increased, the, the total amount of endogenous gas production increased, and uh, then there was an adaptation showing that this since we did not give time to these gas to be metabolized, this reduction was due to a, a decreased production of, of gas during the early fermentation process. So what do you think your absolute key results uh, to come from the study were? Well, a, first of all, that a, a prebiotics initially produce gas, but uh, this is followed in a short period of time by an adaptation of microbiota um, with less gas production. So there's some data showing that uh, um, uh, patients with uh, with IBS type of symptoms might benefit from prebiotics. And our, our advice could be that uh, even if at the beginning they might have some uh, worsening of the symptoms, we might advise them to keep all the treatment for a couple of weeks because they have a good chance to um, adapt and see a beneficial effect. 
What were the limitations as you see it of your study? Well, the limitation is that this is a proof of concept pilot study run in a, in a relatively small sample size of healthy subjects. And, the, uh, and, 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 and again, these are healthy subjects. We could uh, presume that patients would behave the same way, but uh, there's some data showing that patients with IBS have different types of, of microbiota and some might not adapt. So this is something that uh, has to be proven. So what do you think the mechanisms are, um, that, that have been demonstrated in your study, do you think they apply to other prebiotics and potentially to, to patients with functional gut symptoms? Well, this is an intriguing question because in, as a matter of fact, we proved that with a very specific molecule and in principle, we cannot extrapolate to other. We don't know whether other molecules would do, would do the same. Uh, and this is an open question. And, and we don't know even if this is a characteristic either of this molecule or of all prebiotics or even of all fermentable stuff. Uh, any kind of fiber might produce the same effect. This is an open question that we might have to, to address Super. So, Fernando, uh, with that, I'd like to thank you and your co-authors for, for a super paper and as well as uh, assisting in this month's podcast and also our listeners for, for tuning in. And I look forward to welcoming you again on another instalment of the podcast uh, next month. Further information about this paper can be found on the journal website. We hope that you have enjoyed this podcast and we look forward to welcoming you to next month's edition.